Let's be seated, gang. It's always hard to, uh, to stop, isn't it? Uh, if you love one another, uh, show the world that you're my friends. And uh, I, I would like to say the, the first hour uh, that Kim Garrett uh, placed her membership with us and her uh, young son was baptized this week, Tyler. So uh, welcome them if you haven't got to see them. We're, we're proud of that and very, very happy for the church and for them. Uh, also, we had a wonderful get-together yesterday. The uh, Clays had 25 years of celebration together and uh, had a great crowd, and it was just good to just visit and talk. You be sure and congratulate them. They've done the hard part. Uh, the seven-year to 11-year itch is the most vulnerable of all. They've done the hard part. Now they're going to coast in there to, I guess our highest is 61 years together, isn't it? The Wasik family. And we have a number who are, have had 50 years together. And I just want you to know it can work God's way to stick together and to love each other. Well, this uh, sermon topic is one that uh, means a great deal to me because it uh, refers to the health of spiritual people and to the church itself. And we've been talking about stewardship, giving. We just do this three times in 52 sermons. So, you know, you just bear with me because I believe it is the most important spiritual thing that you are going to learn if you love the Lord Jesus Christ and if you love his church. We will be reading out of 2 Corinthians 9. Uh, going beginning at verse 6, and we'll read through 11, though I will be reading many, many scriptures. Now, you know, you wouldn't want to hear a sermon about the tithe by a phony. And that's someone who tells you to do it, but they don't do it. And that's certainly not the case in the leadership here in this church. For we have been held together by people who have been prospered by the tithe. And I know that many young couples say it's impossible for me to tithe or for us to tithe, but I am saying you will live better if you will. And we have said already that if you try tithing and it doesn't work, we'll give you your money back. Because we believe that promises made come true when you follow biblical admonition. And you will be blessed. And I believe that. And we all practice it who are up in front of you. And I know it works, for God provides. You know you simply cannot of your own flesh and blood give to something that you're not interested in. And you know, the Bible has a way of provision uh, to make ends meet. He wanted his people to have plenty. He wanted them to succeed in life. He wanted them to have good... Uh, relationships with their creditors and with the people they lived with and be honest in their debts. And, and you know, it's a, it seems to be a way of life that's disappearing in America today, isn't it? And people are often living above their heads, but there is a better way and it's the biblical way, uh, the Bible way. And you know, I know that God's provide, if he provides, then there is a way and I believe it is the tithe. And listen to this, Thou art coming to a king, large petition with thee bring, 
for his grace and power such that you can never ask too much. When his children ask for help, I believe that God sees that his children don't go begging for bread. In Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, I'll just quickly read verse 24. He said, be made new in the attitude of your mind. And I believe that that's what we need. Worldly people are not interested in being generous to others or something so vague as a thing called God. But you, with the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, have the authority and the power to give and as well live generously yourself. Romans 12 verse 6 says this, We have different gifts according to the grace that is given to us. Uh, Larry mentioned last week that the word grace was used eight times in this passage. It's actually used 127 times in the New Testament. Grace is a gift that makes glad or unmerited favor. You got a gift you really didn't deserve. And I think that's the most joyous part of coming to Jesus Christ. I got eternal life and I know I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. And it's a gift that's going to make me and mine so glad as we all come home together and celebrate in that great crowd of witnesses which waits for all of us who love the Lord. God provides. I don't think that we can do it by ourselves. You know, Teddy Turner can give a billion dollars to an idiot purpose. And yet people think, well, tithing is so ridiculous when it isn't at all, is it? Tithing is for eternal life. Tithing is to spread the gospel. It's to heal the sick. It's to guide those who are lost. It's to turn lives around. It's to help us to live together for a long and faithful and sweet time together in our marriage. And it just goes on and on. God rewards with eternal results in this veil of tears. And I don't think we can do it alone or very rarely will we ever do it. Verse 7, if in speaking of the gifts that God gives his people, if it is contributing to the needs of others, let each one give generously. Now that's a commandment. You know, if you want to be gracious, if you want to be spiritual, God wants you to have the means to be generous to those who have not received as much as you have. And oh, there's a lot of problems in the world and a lot of needs for things just to get by in this veil of tears. This is the richest nation and the richest time the world has ever known. And yet many people, even in this rich land, are hurting and they need help and they need to be guided along. I believe we're commanded to do such a thing. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 7 says this, but just as you excel in everything, and then he lists them, in faith, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this gift. And that gift was the gift of giving. And I know that some people are very good at it. Some people are very uh, poor at it. And some people haven't thought about it. But I tell you what, God will prosper you if you practice what he commands you to do. I believe that with all of my heart. It's been, the, it's been a thing I learned. I, it took so long to learn some things, but this one didn't because this was kind of obvious because I've been a businessman all my life. And I know you got to put into something, get something out of it. You know, someone said uh, there isn't any free advice unless it would be don't smoke in bed. 
And I'd say that's some free, worthwhile uh, advice, see. But that's about the only thing I would acknowledge that's free, see. Uh, boy, oh boy, God rewards those who excel in that gift. And we are given grace as well as we are able to develop it and perfect that gift of grace. And you know, I, I go back in my life and I remember the first money I gave to the church outside of my tithe was $27 to a little church in Lander. A young man with tears in his eyes said, I, I want to build us a pew here in Lander. And he says, I don't have the money. I need $27. And I said, well, I'll get that. And I remember specifically, that's the first time, just like the letter of the law, I went above the tithe. And I preached there several years ago and there was this beautiful cedar pulpit. And, you know, I had a small part in that. Uh, the young man that did it, of course, he, he was more proud than I was because, you know, when you're giving, you're generating love. And people who give don't wear out, don't get tired. Their needs are met. And I believe that with all of my heart. God provides, not human nature. Human nature doesn't do that well, does it? Second Corinthians 9, beginning in verse 6. We're going to be reading there, 6 through 9. And he talks about the laws of the harvest. First of all, it says this, and this makes sense to me. Plant more seed, you get a greater harvest. That just seems self-evident, doesn't it? I'm just going to plant 27 seeds this time because uh, I don't need much. But if you need much, you better plant 10,000 seeds, hadn't you? Because from that will come an abundant crop which will provide for your sustenance. You harvest only what you plant. You want to be a spiritual person? then try the tithe. Want to be a spiritual person? Start being generous with the house of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe he will care for your needs. I believe it is a promise. Harvest occurs also where it is planted. What do you want to be known for in your life? Well, think and consider about spiritual things and attending to things that you know are being left undone because there simply are not enough pesos to carry it off. I think of this church's generosity and over the years what we have done, and you know, it just astounds me. And I know not everybody ties, and it's, I don't know who it is. I just know it doesn't come out quite right. I know some people are carrying more than their share. And you know, that never appealed to me. You know, I couldn't let some of you guys down. You know, uh, I. I wouldn't feel right about that. You ever get in a fight and your buddy says, uh, hey, Al, uh, you did the mouthing off. Uh, I'll see you later. I got in a fight like that once. All my buddies left and went elsewhere. Uh, I never could be that way. I know that some of you really do more than your share. But hey, that ought not to be. It just tears my heart up. But a little couple, almost 80, with no means of support, saw in the bulletin that we were a little bit short of our budget one Sunday, as sometimes we are. Who knows? We always pay our bills, that's for sure. And they gave $1,000. And they didn't have that money to give. But you know they gave it. But that hurts me. Oh, God, I, I, I'm not hurting for money. And, but you know, that was their gift to God. And I know that God will prosper them. But I don't want it to be that way. I want everyone to be involved with it. And so God tells us about the laws of the harvest. Let's read about it. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. And that's really right, isn't it? Boy, when you put your heart into a thing, you put your money into a thing too, don't you? 
and you're involved and life is exciting and something's happening and you feel good about it, see? And then verse seven, every man according as he hath purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Uh, I practiced giving for a while. I wasn't cheerful about it. <laughs> because man, I am tight. I know what a Purina egg mash shirt is because we raised in Northern Oklahoma where folks were poor and you could go out in the evening and kick the cow and lay down in the warm spot and it, life was better for a while. And I'll tell you, many of you have come up the hard way, the depression and all that. But it is interesting. Some of those folks that had the hardest times are the most generous to the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, you look into that and see if maybe there isn't a reason for that very thing. And God is able to make all grace a ground bound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. God doesn't just want you to prosper, but he wants you to prosper enough that you can be generous to another little couple or to a child or to someone hurting, you see, or a powerful need overseas maybe, or to preach the gospel in a place that's never been preached before because sometimes that gets put down because we don't have enough to do that. And so he gives us the law of the harvest Sow generously, reap generously. And then he says in verse 7, it's your choice. Now, uh, we talked about this. Uh, you older folks don't have to do this, but you young couples, you get your spouse. You get your older children and you get together and say, honey, this is what I propose that we do. That this house and this household and its people shall serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, older folks don't have to consult each other because they know what they're thinking, see. But young couples, it's not, your, so it's not your decision alone, isn't it? And it will never work unless you agree. This is what we shall do. This is what me and my household shall do. And you agree on that, see. And you consult one another. And you consider the tender heart of that one that's close to you as well. But I tell you what, with great conviction, I guarantee you that if you get together in the name of God, God will bless whatever you set out to do. I have seen it in others. I have seen it in my own life. You know, I have heard uh, the last few weeks this precious thing. I'm going to put my children above my job. In some variety, that's what the three people that I've heard. I'm going to put my children above my God. Well, hey, above my job. Uh, that's a great thing to do, whether you're a disbeliever or an unbeliever or a total atheist. Put your children first before your own needs, isn't it? But the most precious promise that a young couple on their knees can make together in a decision was we are going to put God first in our life. And if you say that, if God is going to come first, then I truly think that the axiom comes after it. I'm going to put the tithe first in my giving. I'm going to put the tithe first in my giving. 10% doesn't seem like a big deal. It isn't with God. It's a marvelous deal. And 10% without God, you see, doesn't amount to anything. But when you give it to God, it's 90% plus 100-fold times that. He said he would multiply our giving 100-fold. 
verse 8 says, all grace abound. And that you would have all that you would need. Now, I know that that is a promise from God. And why not try what he directs us to do? There's that formula, that wonderful formula. Give 10% to God. Save 10%. Get out of debt. Give 10% to God. Give 10% to saving for the future so that you don't pay interest and you don't get buried by the terrible problems of burden debt. There is no profit in giving it to interest. And spend that 80 cents and I praise God that he has promised he will bless you in spite of the difference in the final outcome that's spent on you specifically. Now, test us. You heard not long ago that the church had decided if you try the tithe and it doesn't work, we'll give it back to you. I don't want it if it doesn't prosper. The church doesn't need it if it doesn't prosper. I think that God builds uh, on generosity of his people as a manifestation of their spiritual grace. Grace. God is the one who can do this. And that cheerful, we looked it up, you know, hilarious. Hilarious. You've heard that word a million times. Oh, it's simply hilarious. And what that says, and there were three words that came up. Of course, most texts use the word cheerful. Willingly, promptly, cheerfully. I don't know, cheerfully just as good a way to say it as any, isn't it? To give graciously. What else is there in life but to do that? Now, the reason that Jesus chose to be sassy about one guy who didn't include God in his plans is obvious. He says, if you want to prosper, give to my kingdom. If you want to really do well in life, then lean on me. Give your needs to me. Understand that you're not all sufficient. Look, even the farmer and ranchers, and we've got folks here, haven't we? Knows that, yeah, you got to plow deep. You have to have good seed. You need irrigation in this country. But I'll tell you what, you also recognize that God brings the wind and the warm sunshine. And God brings the moisture from the atmosphere. And you know, even the most independent person in the world is living in the grace of God and prospers as God prospers him, not as he plans himself. Listen, Jesus in Luke 12, verse 15 through 21 says this, and Jesus gets sassy here. What do you mean Jesus gets sassy? He says it a little differently than he did in this 2 Corinthians 9 in verse 6. Watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. A, greed. a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. A lot of people see the world looks at prosperity as the things you own. You're not posh, prosperous because you own things. You're prosperous because you're at peace with God. You're, you're in good conscience. You go to bed at night. You haven't hurt anybody. You haven't put down anybody. You've just done the right thing. That's a reason to to love the Lord, to go to bed at peace, you know, at night and not worry about it. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store all this wealth. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there will I store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life, eat, drink, and be merry. The Romans added something else, didn't they? 
for tomorrow we die. <laughs> he doesn't even mention that. But God said to him, you fooled. And that's something we can't say to one another. Jesus said uh, a lot about the fool. Uh, we're not entitled to call others fool. But Jesus said, a man who could have my providence and doesn't want it is a foolish man. And he has the right to say that. I don't. Call no man a fool. I believe that that's a scriptural commandment. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. What was it all worth then, all the struggle? He dies without the Lord, condemned by a curse of his own choice. Then will you get what you have prepared for yourself? Who will get what you have prepared? Well, I can tell you, having had 314 or so funerals, give or take three or four, now that's preacher counting, but pretty close. And I'll tell you who gets it. And sometimes you wouldn't want them to get it. You really wouldn't want them to get it. And the kingdom of God goes begging so many, many times. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. God wants you to rich, be rich, but he wants you to be rich to him and he will give you plenty. God blesses rich men. They're powerful men. They do a great deal of work. It's not everybody's sweet gift from God. And he's not critical of wealth. Jesus didn't condemn wealth. He condemned the arrogance that said, I choose this rather than you. And you know, check out a cemetery sometimes. I've had a chance to go there 314 times, plus many other times. Everybody leaves the world behind. There's lots of stones that say so, and that's not really a secret to any of us. And listen to what Max Lucado had to say, just a few words. But he said, funeral hearses never pull U-hauls to the cemetery. You, you don't take it with you. You don't need a U-haul to cart it off, would you? Foolish man, because God provided and he said all these things. What will I do? What will I do? I will store and I'll say to myself. You see, he can't save his own soul that way nor be spiritual that way. For listen to this scripture. This is worth writing down. Deuteronomy 10 verse 14. The Lord owns the world and everything in it. Now what does that leave out? He owns the world and everything in it. The heavens and even the highest heavens are his. There's the three celestial heavens. See? And... Uh, up to the highest heaven of heavens. He owns it all. From the footstool to the top of the throne. Everything belongs to God. Why not share a little bit with it? And then read in 2 Corinthians 9, beginning in verse 10, he says this. Now he that ministers seed to the sower doth minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. See, you're not going to do that, but he says... Because you've invested in me, I will cause you great profit. I will increase your value to a great, great degree. Isn't that cool? And then he says, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us a reason to give thanksgiving to God. And you all are prospered by that, see. Uh, I like... Larry read it last week. It was out of NIV, and I happened to be in King James, and I missed it. And I thought something sounded better. And if you'll get that verse, 
He said this in that verse 11 in the NIV, which is closer to the truth than the King James, or at least more richly understood. You will be made rich in every way so that you too can be generous. And God not only wants you to have enough, but enough to be generous with others. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Praise God for everything. And you know, we've been blessed because God provides. The church here has been professed, not because of any know-how that we had, but because God provided when we tried so hard to give ourselves to him. You know, missions. We got a beautiful girl that's over there in a hard and uh, bitter land. And uh, she's preaching. The church didn't send her. A precious family did. I, you know, I'm just so proud of that because... You know, if the church had more money, we could do more of that, you see. This church gave 25,000 Bibles, which is quite a bit of money, because they all cost over several dollars apiece. And we distributed them personally there in Moscow and Voronezh and all kinds of places. Boy, those people don't talk very good. And, uh, you know, that's what the church's business is. Have those people hurt? Indeed, they have. And I just pray that Kelsey will write back one of these days and say, uh, Papa or elders, uh, you know, here's a need. And uh, we'd like to have the church send some money over there. And if we don't do it, you know, boy, we're missing a boat, aren't we? And there's a young lady whose life will be forever. You know, what kind of a place was Russia? Remember, it is the exact size of the width of the moon. It is 12 timelines in width. It's big beyond belief. They have suffered terribly. 78 years they have not had a professing Christian church. And where she is going, we have at least two or three within 300 miles, Bible schools, seminaries, and struggling new churches. So it is fulfilled. They, those that have lived in darkness have seen a great light. And you know, if we had more pesos, we could do more sending of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's frustrating to us. How bad was it? La Vrentia Berea said of his work with the NKVD that it was now possible to break every bone in a witness's body without causing the death of the victim. Isn't that a scientific breakthrough? And did you know that for 78 years there was not a visible church with the precious cross of Christ? And the last elder to perish of a church just like this was in October 17th, by the end, actually beginning into November, and I have this on a man who knew about it, was a great elder there in the church, just like this, preaches just the way we do. Much bigger than this, by the way, in those days. He was stripped naked. He was placed in the red square there. And a bucket with boiling water with holes in it was placed over his head. And in that 20 degree below weather, the water was poured in and he was suffocated by the freezing ice. So that all might ridicule him. That's just like cross, Christ on the cross, isn't it? Have they that have been in darkness been blessed now because the gospel is over there? You betcha that is the case. And it goes on and on, and I don't wish to stress that. But aren't you proud of our missions? God has provided it. And then God's provided our youth. You know what this church has been able to do 
in sending out its young people. Kelsey's one example, but we've had three others that have gone to that hard place and we have missions all over the country. And there have been many years we gave more to others than we gave to ourselves. And the reason we couldn't give any more was there, we had to spend something on ourselves. It's a pretty selfless bunch of people and I am very proud of that. Jim Holzer was, had the best announcement the other day at, at the elders meeting and he was talking about how downstairs there's rooms full of kids that's just chuck full of little wiggly kids. And aren't you excited about that? Wouldn't it be nice if we had more cash? We could get them up in the sunlight, maybe over there on our 10 acres, which we own where our school is. And then thirdly, God has prospered us because of our school. I believe that with all of my heart. And we have worried and we've just done everything we could. And God somehow manages to keep the school open and it is still a place of healing. And the family that came forward the first service are a result of that ministry. You know, and it's still doing it. And it will continue to do so. God be praised. God provides. See, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be made generous. It is a hurting world. And I want to conclude with this thought. It is a hurting world. In a time of great plenty... There are people who are really down and out. In a time of immorality, people have been touched and hurt and beat about and put upon. And there's a world of hurt. And if you think not, I heard a song the other day. I was driving my little pickup along and I pulled it over. I grabbed a sheet of yellow paper there, which I always have. And I started writing down the words. It is cool. Here's what the world is offering others. And just think of this. I had to look at it to be sure because I don't really want to memorize this. We got losers. We got boozers. We got chain smokers. And what was the last thing? Nighttime cruisers. Wow, I'd want some of that, wouldn't you? Boy, the world offers a great deal, don't they? And hey, I'd, I wouldn't write it all down because you wouldn't, it wouldn't be fit to, I don't know whether that's fit or not. But you see the decadence? Do you see that the world and its society for possessions and things and actually getting away from things that are righteous, things that are holy, things that are pure, have got themselves in a quagmire, haven't they? And it's a septic tank and they're standing on their toes and the level comes right up to here. And the guy is saying, don't make any waves. It's a foul place. <laughs> it is a foul place. And we are this deep in our own excrescence. And you think about, I don't need to define that. I don't want the world to live like that. Because there's people I love and you love that are outside Jesus Christ who don't know holiness and who do not know purity. It was like Mary, the mama of Jesus. Do you remember? She was kind of upset because this thing which had come upon her, she didn't understand that her husband was fleeing and they're trying to go somewhere where they could take care of this because she was pure and he was pure. And oh, in this day and age, isn't that the way we should live before the world? And you know, a dear lady named Lizbeth came and Elizabeth said something that cheered her up. Blessed art thou. 
And you know, when you're hurting and someone says, hey, God's blessing on you, there's a way out of this. God's blessing on you, we can solve that problem and we can help you and things will get better. You know, there's a marvelous little story. People are trapped, they're lost. They're like people in a snare. It's drinking, it's alcohol, or it's drugs, and it's, uh, it's lust, and it's just sin, and it's uh, indulgence, and bad habits, and they're trapped in that. But you know, we are the holy hounds of God. We will seek them out in their traps and help heal them and set them free. Listen to what this glorious mind has written. Listen to what he says. One of my favorite poems is by James Stevens. It's a tale about a dying rabbit. Or is it? I hear a cry, a sudden cry of pain. There's a rabbit in a snare. And I hear the cry again. And I cannot tell from where. No, I cannot tell from where. He is crying out afraid. Crying on the frightened air. Making everything afraid. Making everything afraid, wrinkling up his little face. And I hear the cry again, and I cannot find the place. No, I cannot find the place. He is crying out for air. Little one, oh, little one, I'm searching everywhere. And that's the message of the church, to go out where people are hurting. And it isn't easy. And you know, we've sure tried hard, haven't we? And you can see the fruits of that. New faces, young couples, precious gray hairs. Uh, every walk of life has been hurt and so many people have been helped because of the word of Jesus Christ and his church, the body that's preached this message. I'm searching everywhere. We are the hounds of God, but not seeking out whom we may kill, but whom we may disensnare, who we can set free, who we can heal, who can preach the gospel to that are lost. Somehow, this is Calvin Miller, Somehow I know this is not about rabbits. It's about the neurotic love of a man trying to lighten suffering in the world. It is the drive of the holy predator to find the world's pain and to stop it. It is the need of caring men to put the world back together again. It is a shout, blessed art thou. You have worth. Weep no more. God couldn't come to you because you would not receive him when you first heard him. So I'm playing his part today. You are worth the universe. We are brothers. We are one. Be healed. Blessed art thou. That's the message of the church. Doesn't that thrill you? It makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up because that's the message of the church and sometimes we've had our, had our step forward shortened and we didn't have enough pesos and we couldn't do the job. And, and, you know, that hurts me because I really believe that God wants us to do more than we have done. And, oh, little church, you've done more than 10 churches have done. And I just want to know with all of your heart that we are not the devil's disciples. We are not the dogs of hell. We are the dogs of heaven, sniffing out the lost, the hurt, the needy, the lonesome, those who are incapable of defending and caring for themselves. And that is our job. 
Lack of money cramps that work. Lack of money hinders the gospel. And it leaves souls dying in the night. And I don't think God wanted that for anybody. I conclude I didn't use any poem. That's why the poems have been very good today. But this is one by Pat I'd like to share with you. Grace has left an open door where I must walk through once more to leave behind the sobs and soar to fly where Christ has gone before for love has left an open door. Grace is used 127 times. And God will provide if you decide to put your faith, your money, your family, your hopes in Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. If you have a decision to make today,